Weekly Signals, every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. Join me, Mike Casper, and Nathan Callahan for the best in reality-based radio. That's Weekly Signals. Check out the website at weeklysignals.com. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft, coming out in May 2010. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, our show is about privacy in the retail arena, and we are so thrilled because we're going to have privacy officer for Walmart and all of us love to shop at Walmart and Sam's Club and there you know people don't think about the privacy issues with regard to retail until there's maybe a problem or something so this time we're going to be speaking with a wonderful privacy expert Zoe Strickland and she serves as the first vice president chief privacy officer for Walmart stores in her role Zoe holds domestic and global responsibility for managing the entire privacy program for Walmart and Sam's Club. And this includes things like all of the privacy policies that you see on the websites, procedures, governance, trainings, and administration. She's an active participant in the privacy community. She participates in several privacy executive boards and committees, including the Privacy and Security Working Group for the Retail Industry Leaders Association, the Center for Information Policy Leadership, and Public Policy Steering Committee of EPC Global. She most recently served on the Board of Directors of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. We've had many members of that association on our show, and I'm a member of that. It's a wonderful association. And Zoe is a frequent speaker at industry conferences and events. I know she has also testified in Congress And she's been quoted in several national news and media sources, including such uh, media outlets as USA Today, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, and National Public Radio. And we're really glad that she's here with us on our own public radio show at at the University of California, Irvine. Ms. Strickland is featured also in the book Privacy Payoff, How Successful Businesses Build Customer Trust by Ontario Information and Privacy Commissioner, Commissioner Anne Kavurkian, who actually was on our show as well. So you can find out more about the wonderful privacy policies at wall-mart.com and more about Zoe as well on our website at kuci.org slash privacypiracy. Zoe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. 
Well, Zoe, tell us how you got into privacy anyway. You know, I've been practicing privacy now for about 10 years. And I will tell you, I actually do have a real passion for privacy. And I tend to think of myself as a pretty private person myself. I started at about 2000 um, at the Postal Service as their first uh, CPO. And it's sort of an interesting story. Uh, They were in the process of looking at new online products and services, and they were being asked by Congress about their privacy practices. And they pointed to the Privacy Act of 1974 and all those longstanding uh, privacy regimes. And they said, no, no, what about today's privacy? What about online privacy? What about the customer experience? So um, this was during that sort of early wave of privacy officers. And uh, I had a background. I'm a lawyer. I had a background doing privacy and ethics and a variety of consumer-facing legal work, so I was very pleased and fortunate to be selected to run their privacy program. And then a few years ago, uh, Walmart approached me about taking their privacy program to the next level, and and of course, Walmart being the the largest retailer with so many types of products and services and such a deep relationship with consumers, uh, I jumped at the chance to come and work for this this company. I, I tell you... I think folks who who are interested uh, in privacy today and in the privacy field, one of the exciting things about privacy is that it's always evolving. So privacy 10 years ago is very different from privacy today and privacy the next 10 years. So it's a wonderful challenge and a great uh, space to work in and all about serving your customers. Oh, I know. And you had such great experience at the U.S. Postal Service. And what a a lucky uh, opportunity for Walmart. You're their very first privacy officer, right? At That's Walmart? Correct. Yeah, so they got the best. Talk <laughs> about what, what privacy does mean at Walmart, at Walmart. So I think that privacy really reflects one of the founding principles of Walmart, uh, back to the Sam Walton days. And one of their founding principles is respect for the individual. And I think that privacy really speaks to that. Uh, privacy is just one piece of the, the total package of how are you treating your customers well and how are they trusting you, and how are you growing that trust? So when we think about our shoppers, whether she's coming to us through our website or in our store or, or some other way, how, how, what's her experience like? How are we uh, respecting her information and protecting it? And I, I tend to think of privacy. I mean, we all hear about it a lot. And what does it mean? It can be a little esoteric. And so the way we try to describe it um, to our customers and to organizations so they understand it, it's kind of three legs of a stool. And one leg is, is security of information. And I think we're uh, fairly familiar with that uh, in terms of identity stuff, which you work so closely with, in terms of good protection and practices uh, in today's world. A second piece of privacy is around data uses. So where do you get data from? Do you share it? How do you use it for marketing purposes? Uh, these sort of data use and acquisition and sharing practices that are really independent of security. And a final um, uh, leg to to privacy is technology. I think a big driver of of the the privacy wave was around online and and practices there. But there's other technology, too. The robustness of the IT systems and databases and strength and power of those, RFID, mobile devices, uh, technology will always be a, a driver for understanding how information is collected and how it's used and manipulated. 
And, and so how do you explain this to the regulators? I mean, they, they probably are overwhelmed by this themselves. You know, I think when you're talking about privacy and how do you make it meaningful and real, it, it is, you've got to think about your, your core message and the clarity of that in terms of what you're offering uh, to your customers. Uh, I think those core messages are, are, are sort of the same when you're talking to the public or your company or regulators. Certainly, you need to tailor it uh, correctly for, for your audience. Um, as an example, uh, for your company, you really want them to understand it, that it's more than just a compliance issue. So if it becomes too bogged down in detail or, or lengthy uh, set of principles, they won't get it. You want to make it clear and simple for them, just like your customers. I think regulators the same thing, too. How are you communicating? What is your fundamental principle uh, that you're operating with your customers um, so that they can see your approach and understand it. Because I know that they're looking very carefully and closely at privacy issues as well. Yes. And I know sometimes privacy officers have a challenge with the marketing people. So it, it, it may be a challenge for you at times to explain privacy to all of the other managers and, and vice presidents within the organization. How, how do they get it? Do they, do they have a problem with it or, or are they pretty up to speed by now? You know, I, I do think that uh, Walmart's corporate culture is, is geared around respect for the individual, so largely they get it. Uh, but it is true that your different functions have different personalities, just like people do. Right. So when you're talking to your people function uh, about privacy, uh, a lot of it's around data protection and confidentiality. When you're talking to marketing, it's all about how are you serving your customer, what's that interaction look like, how are you meeting their needs and honoring what they've told you and the choices that you've given them. So you do find that you have a different... Um, conversation and relationship depending on what that function does, all stemming from that core bedrock. You know, I think earlier you said about how important it was that Walmart wants to build trust with its customers. And privacy and trust really go hand in hand, don't, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, really, I don't think you can say privacy better than that. And um, I believe it, it's just come out. Uh, the Poneman Institute study of, of most trusted companies Walmart is, has, uh, is now, in, for the first time, in the top 20. And, and we're really pleased that um, our customers recognize what importance we put behind uh, the trust that they place in us. So how do you explain and how do you educate the public about privacy? How, how do you do that? You know, I, I think a, an interesting first question, right, is, and I think a, a fun one is, you know, why? Why, why are we trying to educate folks about privacy? Because it's, it's hard. Yeah, I, it I is. You know that as well. Um, and I think one thing, and you step back and think about it, is uh, when we talk about technology and the explosion of it, um, think about um, the things that, that uh, the average citizen has today in terms of their mobile devices and their interaction with social networks. There's a real explosion around even their own personal use and interconnectivity with, with uh, technology and with, and with data. So privacy has changed. You don't have so much of the anonymity that you might have had in prior years or decades. Uh, but just because it's changed doesn't mean uh, that it's not in some ways equally, if not more important than ever, as, as this data has proliferated around where is data coming from, how is it being collected, what are the controls, what are the choices that people have. So I do think it's a really important thing to think about in terms of uh, your interaction with the customer's one-on-one or broader education efforts. 
In terms of how, I think that is, I think that's a nut that a lot of um, policymakers and companies and entities are looking at. Uh, for us, for Walmart, uh, we have uh, our website uh, a policy, which, which you mentioned, and we tried uh, very hard to make that um, uh, as customer-friendly as possible. So we had the summary of the policy, so for folks who just want to get the, the top line of it. But if you want to drill down and read the long version, you can. We have a Think Privacy website uh, as well that has more tools and tips. Um, and uh, we also have uh, email accounts so that uh, customers who have specific questions or inquiries about privacy can contact us. We get about 1,000 of those in a year. And if you think about it, I mean, Walmart interacts with customers all the time in all different sorts of channels. Um, and, and this is just one more method to which we can communicate with them. And, and then I think, you know, more broadly, there is that challenge about uh, educating consumers about privacy, about protecting themselves. And that's why I think radio programs like this one are so effective and helpful as well. I was just going to say thank you for coming on to help educate not only the university here, but we're right in the business community and we podcast. So it's, it's wonderful that you're sharing these ideas with us because I think you're right. People just don't always really understand what it means. They, you know, privacy can mean so many different things. We're speaking with Zoe Strickland, who is the very first uh, privacy officer for Walmart. She serves as the first vice president and chief privacy officer. Before that, she was the private first privacy officer for the U.S. Postal Service, and she is um, in charge of the. Glo- she has actually global responsibility for managing the privacy program for Walmart and Sam's Club, and she's sharing wonderful ideas with us about how they're trying to educate the, the their customers and also protect their customers. So what do you think the current state of public awareness is right now, Zoe, about privacy? You know, that, that uh, question, as you know, it, is, is hotly debated. And I actually think uh, it, it's better than, than many people think. Uh, I think when consumers understand and have an interest uh, in an area or a topic, including privacy, then, then they show that they can, they can take action. And I think a great example of that is the FTC Do Not Call List, um, a very popular program, widely used, which I think shows a great way to do privacy. Uh, It's clear, it's easy to use, it's actionable. Uh, And I think part of the debate is uh, about um, the interest and awareness for privacy. To your point about how, how do people understand it, which part of privacy are we talking about? Sometimes it turns on how the question is phrased, um, and that, that shows up in some of the polling data you see. Uh, so I think it does boil uh, back down to the clarity of your privacy message. And I do think uh, privacy is an area, much like other areas, where some consumers are going to care more than others. Um, you're probably familiar with the uh, consumer surveys that Alan Weston mm-hmm. uh, did for, for many years around the segmenting of the, the consumer populace around privacy, and they found that some were fundamentalists and cared a lot. Others were more pragmatists, seeing pros and cons, and then there were some that were unconcerned, and that's okay. Uh, the real question is, how are you communicating effectively with each group and providing them choices around how their data is used and managed? And, you know, sometimes people are unconcerned until they become a victim of identity theft or they have some 
other uh, privacy problem that has occurred. So, you know, a lot of times we don't think about some of the challenges with privacy until it comes in our face, you know, like the problems that they've had on Facebook or on different uh, organizations that people have called me about when they've had a real problem. Otherwise, they, you know, they don't think of the problems. But once there is a challenge, then they become more concerned about it. And I think the idea for us is to help them to know good choices, the ramifications of those choices, and then they, you know, then they can make that decision themselves. I, I could not agree more. I think that's exactly right. Cause even for the group that would fall into the, the unconcerned category, when you think about the different, you know, aspects of the stool with privacy, nobody wants to have their, their data stolen or identity fees um, uh, attack their data. Nobody wants that. And even in uh, uses of data, uh, you raised some good examples around um, uh, social networks or other sites where certain activities, you know, generate response in terms of, hey, is that appropriate way to, to use my data or to change the standards? And the same thing with technology. Uh, most folks want to have some understanding about how that works at a very simple level. Uh, and, and the idea of, you know, any kind of secret surveillance always sort of rubs people the wrong way. So I think ev- for all segments of, of of the populace, um, especially if, if they run across an issue themselves, um, will will be concerned with this. Right. And I, I love the adage, you know, kiss, keep it simple. <laughs> because yep. uh, the more simple it is, the more people can make better choices about it, and it's more transparent. You know, we're he's sitting here on the campus of the University of California, and, I, you know, we've had people who have been involved in social networking and they've had problems and it's because they the younger generation is so excited about the social networking and they're so excited about the online life that a lot of the times they haven't experienced the the life challenges of the privacy problems so um, that's why it's so important that they really understand what can happen if they put up something on Facebook and then some, they're out there looking for a job after they graduate and get their law degree and then they can't get a job with a law firm because they've put something up there that could hurt them. So, um, you know, th- there's a lot of things that people need to think about. And obviously, I think the, the fact that uh, Walmart, for example, is doing so much to help their own customers understand the privacy issues and respond to the privacy questions. I think it's really uh, admirable. So I think there's a, there's a new book now on, uh, you know, the value of forgetting and, and there is, it's going to be a new world when you look at a few decades out in terms of the digital trail uh, for folks. And you try and think about people, you know, running for for office in future years, everything they've said or done in grade school will be, uh, potentially retrievable. So it'll be an interesting world and one I'm, that we need to make sure that we're aware of uh, as we go into the future. Exactly. You know, I've, I've just been working on this case for this gentleman from Chicago who contacted me because he was a victim of identity theft in California, but he didn't find out about it until now, and it happened in 1997. And I just did a search and found out that he has a criminal record out here. And since 1997, and it's coming up on a background check. So this is really, you know, this kind of stuff years ago you wouldn't find out about, right? But now that we have these vast databases, we're finding this out. So um, it's very, very important that we really 
figure out how we can forget about something, how people can be rehabilitated, or in this case, how we can correct records that are wrong from 1996, 1997. It's, it's crazy. Yep. Why is a principle-based approach so important in privacy? So, yeah, the principle-based approach is the way that Walmart approaches privacy. And I think a good way for, for folks to think about it is um, starting with uh, the FTC fair information principles. And I understand that uh, some conversation about, geez, can they, is it time to make them more robust and things like that. But I think it's a great place to start. And I'd like to just walk through them um, if yes, I could. Yes, I wish you would. That would be great. Because I think it really does underscore a great way to start thinking about privacy. Uh, the first principle is notice. So how are you effectively communicating with your audience, your customers, what your data practices and principles are? starting with notice. A second one is choice. Under what situations and circumstances do you provide customers choice about data that's used or shared about them? Right. Uh, a third one um, is security. How are you making sure that you are providing appropriate and proper security for their data, especially their sensitive data? Uh, a fourth one uh, is, is access, and I think you just referenced that, which is how do folks how are they able to get access to the information that you may have on them to make those sort of corrections that are important to them? Right. And then fifth, uh, redress. So if they have a question, a complaint, a concern, how have you made yourself available to them so that you can respond to that? So if you start with those five principles, then you can think about how do you embed them into your products, your services, your different channels, you know, be them online, mobile, mail, email, fax, phone, etc., um, and the technology that you're developing so that, so that you can then make it um, real and actionable. And I also think if, you, if you're clear about your principles, you can make it more than a compliance activity. You can explain it to your, both your company, your customers, and, and policymakers in terms of what you're trying to do. So I, I think that the, the reason why a principle-based approach is so important is really twofold. One is your making uh, making it easier so folks can understand what you're trying to do. And I think that's really important in the privacy area. And second, that whatever principle or framework you're establishing, you can um, it can grow. As as new products are developed, as new technology comes comes along, you haven't you have standards, it right. in such a way that it won't work with a different technology or you're missing a really important piece of privacy. So if you keep your principles in mind, you can make sure that you're offering complete privacy, but also in a way that's scalable for new technology and new products. And and if you don't have a principle-based, then you run the risk that you won't be able to achieve those goals. Right. And and here you have standards that you can look at. And, And for every new product or every new technology, you can put into the architecture this framework. So I think that's really wonderful. And I think... One of the other things, like wh- how you just said a few minutes ago for the Poneman Institute that, that now Walmart is in the top 20 of most trusted companies, it's because, Zoe, that you've added that value, that privacy value to the customers, and I think they appreciate it. They do appreciate it. And, and you know, Walmart's always had uh, privacy as a core principle. I think I'm, I'm here to help them tie those pieces together and, and take it into the future, but 
but it is a core value that Walmart's had since its inception. Mm-hmm. So what is missing from the privacy debate? Actually, I do think that that conversation about a principle-based approach is, is not as visible in the privacy debate as maybe as it could be. Uh, I think that um, often uh, we can get swept up in whatever uh, the current issue may be. Let's take online advertising, for example. So it, the conversation debate really starts looking at one activity or one technology, and, and often that could be wonderful because you would do a deep dive into it and take a look at what's good privacy there, but some of the um, suggestions may or may not work in other contexts. So the sort of notices that you can do on a website may not work in other contexts, other technologies. So I think what would be helpful is if there was a tying back, whatever the, the current uh, issue is, to that bedrock of core principles and saying, right, these are the principles that we adhere to, and here's how it works in this particular environment. Right. So whether we're talking about target advertising or whatever, always go back to these principles of notice, choice, security, access, and, you know, redress. Right. So what are the biggest challenges for you? So I, I'm going to um, tell you about three challenges that I think give a good perspective on, on uh, providing privacy at, at Walmart. Uh, the first one to the conversation we're just having is, how are you staying true to your principles and applying those core principles? Because it's hard to know where technology or customer service is going to be going five years, ten years down the road. I do think that, I mean, think about where we were before in terms of uh, websites and that experience and where we are today and where that's going 10 or 20 years from now. I, I think it'll be a very different experience. It won't just be, hey, here's some T-shirts, give us uh, your payment and we'll send it to you. You know, there'll be interactivity, there'll be blogs, there'll be all sorts of personalization. So how, do you, how are you applying those core principles that allow it to be applied uh, into the future, especially when sometimes the future is, is unknowable when it's a certain uh, distance out? A second challenge is, I think, almost the flip side of that, which is how do you deal with the low-tech environment? So how do you make privacy work in a store environment where you can't do a pop-up notice, as an example? We've been experimenting with that a little bit in terms of we had a poster when a new privacy policy came out. We have um, some folks at the customer service with, with some messages. But i tell you one thing that we do with the stores is, is we do communicate and train with the associates around privacy. And I'll tell you, the associates really get it because they understand their own data and wanting to protect their own data. So when you talk to them about both their data and customer data, they go, absolutely, we want to protect it, make sure that it's secured properly, that it's used properly. And I think that's a very interesting uh, piece to, to the privacy puzzle, which is engaging your employees and associates but how do you make that work in a, in a low-tech um, store environment as we look at the, the privacy world? And a third challenge I wanted to mention is, uh, I think this is true for, for any CPO, how do you, how do you make it work in, in your corporate environment? And obviously Walmart um, being the size and breadth that it is, when you think about um, all the uh, ways it interacts with customers and not just the, the core business um, be it in stores or online in terms of uh, products and services, but also um, financial services that we offer. 
health and wellness, our pharmacy. We have a variety of, of online uh, special parts of the website. We operate globally. So how do you work with uh, all those different departments and embed privacy to the extent appropriate with their group? I actually love that sort of challenge. I, I like working for large, complex organizations and, and really embedding privacy into it and, and working with folks who work with customers is really fun for me. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, because you have healthcare privacy, you have financial privacy, you have advert- all these different avenues. Right. So, oh, my goodness. How do you we sleep at How do you sleep at night, Zoe? I don't know. How many people do you have in your department helping you? Well, uh, we have both privacy and records. So we have folks who are doing on the privacy side. We've got a, a few folks who do that. We also have folks who manage the records uh, department uh, and, and a warehouse, actually, that report up to me. And internationally, how does that work when, when different companies, I mean, different countries have different privacy values? How does that work? It must be really tough. So, yeah, <laughs> Um, Walmart is is a global uh, operator, and uh, I do think that that is, in some ways, an advantage because we do get to hear from the different markets what their customer interaction and experiences are like. And Walmart is clearly, in retail in general, it's a very B2C organization. We work directly with consumers day in and day out, and so we do get to hear what works and, and what privacy means in other markets. And how Walmart's organized its for global privacy operations is consistent with how it does uh, all, of its, um, uh, all of its operations uh, globally. And we call it freedom within a framework. So we look at what are the, again, core principles right. here in privacy, what makes sense, and then how, do they, how are they applied in that particular market. So we looked at uh, international privacy principles, APEC, OECD, and FTC, and uh, worked with um, our privacy points of contact in each of those countries to say, are these uh, principles that we can uh, get behind? And then, um, and then how do you apply it within your own uh, particular country? I, I will tell you, and I'm sure it's a whole different radio show on its own topic, when you look at uh, uh, privacy globally and, and how different countries and cultures uh, look at privacy, I mean, just like how privacy in this country is, is, can be different individual to individual, it's also different when you look at it culture to culture. So the U.S., uh, we have actually got a, a, a pretty rich history in privacy, if you think back over the last 30, 40 years with um, some of the privacy laws and FCRA and some of the marketing and specialty laws, all geared around um, sort of civil liberties, uh, individual rights, notice, choice, sort of uh, individualistic, right. uh, but, but still interested in privacy and, and rights and controls over how data is used. And then you look at a different um, background like the EU and, and their history that they brought to this, uh, thinking of privacy as a human dignity issue, and then uh, other parts of the world um, starting to develop their, their concepts around privacy. China, as an example, has, has been considering what privacy looks like there and I think an interesting thread for um, different countries when you think about their privacy perspective is how they relate to, to government in terms of giving them data and and rights to data and how they think about private sector 
um, and and their relationship with companies as, as data is exchanged. Yeah, it's tough with the European Union versus the United States. I mean, we, we have a very different approach to privacy. So do you have, uh, you have privacy people in all those com- in countries uh, across the world that kind of report to you and help you with the various uh, rules and, and laws in those countries? Uh, yeah, we do have uh, this, uh, this committee. Yep. Uh, with points of contact in, in every country. Now, as you might imagine, in some countries, there's a more robust privacy uh, setup. Right. Uh, England, Canada is prime examples, and other countries less so because right. it hasn't been part of their regulatory framework yet. Uh, but one thing I, I will tell you, and, and perhaps I'm a little bit of an optimist here, I do think even in the global environment, and yes, uh, different cultural perspectives, there's still some of these bedrock principles that are still there, Right. And we call it choice, and the EU calls it control. But it gets to the same idea, which is what can customers uh, provide information about how you can use their data? So rather than um, the specific words, if we can drill down to what are the commonalities, I actually think that, that we can get there globally. And we need to because more operations are global, more data exchanges are global, uh, and that's just where the history is going. Exactly. We are speaking with Zoe Strickland, who serves as the first Vice President Chief Privacy Officer for Walmart Stores. And you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank, your host, and we are talking about privacy in the information age and privacy in retail. So, Zoe, how do you see privacy evolving what do you think is going to happen next year, for example, something as close as next year? So uh, I do think uh, in the short term, we, we are seeing a lot of um, interest and engagement in privacy from uh, the public and from stakeholders, from the media, from policymakers. And I, I think we'll see more of that in this next year as, as we do look at what are the, the right core principles and what is a a principle-based approach to privacy or a broad-based approach to privacy, you sometimes hear that phrase. I think we're going to see more of that uh, in this next year. Um, and if you look at different uh, pieces of that, it, it looks a little uh, slightly different. Like in states, they look at data protection uh, a bit more. I think the feds will be looking at broader-based privacy a bit more. But I think we're going to see that over the next year. And I think you're going to see more um, industry efforts uh, to communicate about privacy, more self-regulatory principles. So I think that trend will continue this next year. Longer term, I think that this conversation we're just having about globalization is a very important one. And how are we harmonizing the different privacy regimes? Uh, and then making that clear to, to customers and individuals. What do you think about legislation? What kind of legislation do you think is going to be happening in in terms of maybe next year or the year before, or you think something's going to happen with the target marketing, for example? Well, you know, I, I do think that the legislative environment, is, it's always hard to predict, and I know they've got many weighty issues uh, on their plate right now. So it, it's hard to know. I, you do hear that there might be some bills introduced in the online area, and, and certainly I think um, companies and uh, policymakers and media are looking at those. I also think that the FTC... Um, has a lot of authority under existing regimes in terms of their authority to um, 
provide guidance around good privacy or to enforce it. So I think we'll see some of that as well. And, and I think states will continue to uh, both carry the torch for uh, data protection in terms of new protections or enforce, enforcing existing protections. And we see that um, in many states. So a lot has been said about target marketing and about online advertising. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that and some of the advantages or disadvantages of greater personalization online. Yeah, I think this is an excellent uh, sort of point and counterpoint in privacy. And I do think uh, this goes to um, how are you interacting with, with your customer. And on the one hand, greater personalization is wonderful because the goal of it is all about how are you better meeting the customer's needs. If, if you have better understanding of them, then you can give them more relevant products and services. So that's wonderful. On the other hand... How do you get that greater information, and, and is there a comfort level with either how you let them know that you've done this or the depth of that information? And I do think this is a great example of how things are phrased or communicated. I, I'm sure you've seen the polls where you ask consumers, you know, would you like to see ads that are more relevant? Well, the answer is yes. If you ask them, well, do you want to be tracked to see more relevant ads? Like, well, maybe not so much. Right. Uh, but it's getting to the same point. So it's... It's a, it's a very important point about how are you, because the goal is to better serve the customer, and how are you doing that in a way that, that respects their privacy. And I think a great example on the Sam's Club side is, is eValues program, where um, for our top membership, um, we, we provide them uh, coupons and targeted advertising, not just online, uh, based on... Um, how they like to shop and what they like to acquire, letting them know that this is the activity. And we see huge member um, um, love of this program. Well, so isn't that true? They already have a relationship with you. So, yes. it, you know, and I think that's a huge issue. I know I get coupons from, from Walmart and, and other places that I, that I like to shop, and I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with it because I already have a relationship with them. And I'm comfortable with them. So if they tell me about something that's on sale that I really like or I, you know, I want to know about it, they know that I've bought this before and I, want, I might want to buy it again, that's okay. Or if I go to Amazon and they immediately tell me about all the new privacy books out, I'm, you know, I'm thrilled because that's exactly what I'm looking for. But I think the, the issue is, is when, when uh, you're targeted by companies that you not necessarily have that relationship with you don't have that trust with them or that information is sold to someone else or you know if if it gets a little bit um uh too personal you know what i'm saying then i think that's a little bit uncomfortable but people who already have a relationship with you and they they opt into getting that advertisement and they want to get it i think they should have the choice to be able to get it right yeah, that's an excellent point. I do think that, and understandably so, customers have an expectation of who they're dealing with. And so uh, they like shopping at Walmart. They trust Walmart. That doesn't mean that they necessarily want Walmart to be giving or selling their data to unknown third parties. Right. So absolutely, you know, how, how are you fostering and growing that relationship? Um, and I, I want to um, comment further on this distinction there, we've just updated our online advertising policy as an example, 
and um, uh, in the uh, Walmart.com privacy policy, and also um, giving greater notice to it in our, about our ads link. Well, we provide both choices. So, if you um, would prefer to opt out of personalization that's Walmart only, um, you can do that. Or if you'd like to opt out of uh, personalization that goes across an ad, ad network, you can do that as well. Right. I think that gets back to the, your issue of the, you know, the principles that, that you give your customers that choice instead of just selling it without their knowledge. You're transparent. You say, do you want us, you know, are, do you want to opt out or do you want to be part of finding out about other offers that might be good for you? If you say yes, then that's a choice that you can make. But for example, someone like me who's who's more worried about things, if I like a company, I will say, okay, you can give me uh, your ads about something that might be good for me because I trust you, but I don't want you to share it with anybody else. I don't want to get something from somebody that I don't know. I'm just not comfortable with that. But other people might be. I think that's exactly right, and, and we actually provide that type of choice, which is you can choose what sort of uh, marketing communications you want to get from Walmart. You can choose if you would like us to share that data with a third party, and there we use an opt-in standard because we do think that that is a, a different or less likely thing to be desired. Um, so we provide that sort of choices, and I think one question that companies struggle with is you don't want to make them complicated because then people turn off. So how are they clear and actionable and easy to use? So we have a preference center on our website, which allows you to self-serve in terms of what kind of communications you'd like to receive. And for those of you who are listening and don't understand the difference between opt-out and opt-in, Zoe, could you explain to my audience a little bit about that? We've talked about it before on our show, but I still think people get a little confused. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. When you practice privacy a lot, you can start using these shorthand terms. Right. Um, customer choice, opt-in and opt-out are related to the concept of customer choice. So the question becomes, uh, when there's an area that you want to allow customers to choose, yay or nay, about a certain activity, how do you do that? And um, for uses and activities that you think are probably ones that most consumers would like, then your default is, yeah, we're going to do this mailing to you. Uh, we're going to send you this email um, on, unless you tell us not to, and that's an opt-out standard. So the activity occurs uh, unless the consumer says, hey, I'd really rather you did not do that. And again, you want to make that clear and actionable and easy for them to use. For activities that you think, geez, our consumers probably would prefer that we don't do this, but some might like it. So we don't want to tell them that we'll never do it. There are some folks who will, who will say, yes, that, that's a fine activity. I'd like you to do that. It's the opposite, which is you don't do that activity unless the uh, customer says, yes, expressly opt-in. There's no implied opt-in. There's no implicit opt-in. You can't opt-in for them. The, the consumer says, yes, that activity is okay. And as an example, um, back to our principle-based approach, for things that we think are more sensitive, either in terms of data or uses, we use a more conservative opt-in approach where express consent is needed. But we do have folks who, who say yes. So for our data sharing with third parties for marketing purposes, for telemarketing, we do have consumers who say, yep, that's fine with me. Uh, please, please feel free to take that action. For other activities where we think it's likely they'd want to hear about it, 
um, be it online advertising, mail, email, um, we use an, an opt-out standard. It's slightly different on the Sam's Club side because they do have a relationship with the members, but it's a similar principle-based approach. Right, because the members are actual members. They're like the right. family. Right, yeah. and they yeah. join to, to get the value uh, and the discount. Exactly. So when we've been talking about privacy and we've been talking about security, help my audience understand the difference between privacy and security. I, I, think, I love this question. I, I think it's a very important one because uh, sometimes it, they can be conflated. I, I think that, that privacy is, is broader and security is deeper is probably the easiest way for me to, to explain it. Uh, we go back to the, our original conversation about uh, the three legs of privacy, and one of them is certainly security. Uh, and then the security folks will tell you, okay, well, what kind of encryption is right? What kind of encryption do you want in your wireless system and things like that? They're the ones who drill deep to say, how do, we, how do we make that security really happen? And keep that up to date, by the way, as the bad guys figure out the flaws in the prior technology. But privacy also covers the data usage. So whether you share data with a third party, not really a security issue, it's a policy question. And how is that communicated to customers? And again, the technology, same thing. How are you communicating about the technology? And I, I do think that um, privacy also has... Uh, different customer opinions and outlooks on it. With security, I think everyone likes to have some security. Some folks um, uh, are, are even more concerned with it. With privacy, you have a different reaction to it. There are some folks who feel very comfortable putting a lot of date, data and personal information on social networks, other folks who don't. Exactly. Um, but I do think to our uh, original conversation, uh, even in that space, um, there are still some concerns and controls that are needed. And, you know, and when you really think about it, you, you really can't have real privacy without security, but you can have security without privacy. And what I mean by that is, you know, to, to really have a good privacy program that really does respect the information, the sensitive data, you really do have to have security. But uh, there are some se secure security issues where the privacy isn't really protected. In other words, that you've got secure programs, but people have access to it, so that perhaps shouldn't have access to it. So that's kind of another way that I like to think of about it, is you really need to have security in a good privacy program. And in security, you, you really should have privacy in it, too, but that it doesn't always happen. So I, I think that's exactly right. And I'll give you a, a great example um, that we touched on before, which is, uh, access to your own data. I don't mean internal access controls, which are important to have, but good privacy says, you know, how are you providing customers access to their information? And security folks are like, whoa, <laughs> we've locked access down. Yeah, you right. Know? So you have to communicate that to them. It's like, well, actually, it's their own data, and how do we, how do we find a way um, that that can be meaningful um, given the, the complexity of the information that we manage? Right, so you give them a real challenge sometimes. <laughs> it's yeah. not easy. So let's talk about some of the hot topics today, and, and give me your reaction. We, we talked a little bit about online advertising, but, you know, I mean, what is your quick reaction to that for, for all companies? I know you guys are in the top 20 of most trusted, but what about so many other companies? What, what are your thoughts about that? So, yeah, I think it's, it's worthwhile putting all these in context. So, some of the hot topics, I mean, online advertising is obviously one of them, and that really is at the fundamental level. How do you effectively and meaningfully advertise your products and services online while respecting 
customers' privacy and having them know what's happening. Uh, data protection is another one. And for that one, it's absolutely critical that a company understands what sensitive information it has, and then it can go uh, after it and protect it. Uh, RFID is another one. Well, let's, let's explain one. what RFID is, the radio RFID fre- is yeah. radio frequency, and what that is is the ability to read um, codes uh, from a distance. So it could be a product code, it can be personal data, it can be whatever. Right. But it's and, a and people think example. about it when they go through, like if they have a, a, you know, some kind of an access, like a, you know, a, you know, in their car, an access to go through the toll roads is, is, is an RFID. For those people right. who use toll roads, everybody understands what that is. Or if they have a badge and they can walk into a building, that's, that's an RFID. So they can be, you can use it for so many things. And of course, for, for retail, it's wonderful because you can find out, you know, how many books do you have in the store, how many uh, shirts or whatever. You can count them much more easily. But the issue becomes, what do you do um, with these RFIDs? For example, if you're buying things at Walmart, h- how do you deactivate those RFIDs? Or what do you right. do? I mean, that's a huge issue for you, right? Yeah, so I, mean, I do think... Um RFID, it is, it is a wonderful example of a developing technology that can serve customers' needs, but it's not online, so how do you apply the principles to that? And in the retail area, uh, there's not personal data in the code. It's all product code versus some other RFID uses, like you mentioned, toll booths or passports. And so it's got different set of privacy issues, more related to personal data. But, but to, your, to, to answer your question, I, I think we again apply our core principles of notice, choice, et cetera, security to, to that space. And so, and, and certainly um, our core message with RFID, it, it really is about making sure people understand the technology and the choices they have. So there's a lot of customer benefits um, uh, when, um, when or if RFID becomes more commonplace um, that they'll achieve through RFID, but if they don't want it, then they should be able to remove or deactivate it. So... Again, that simple message around how the technology works and their choices around it will be very instrumental to, to Walmart. And, and, and so, I think yeah. another um, yeah, go ahead. I'm topic, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, uh, that I think is a, is a big one is is broad-based privacy. You know, is that the way to go, or is it better to go this more sectoral route that we talk about in the United States? And, and I actually think, and, and Walmart believes that, that broad-based privacy is the way to go. Um, this is why we, we advocate the principle-based approach that we've been talking about. And, and help my, my audience really understand that we've talked about, for, for those people who just came in, we've been talking about privacy principles that were developed, gosh, 19, in the early 1970s, right, that were really established then. So you're talking about the broad-based principles that are adhered to globally. Am I correct? Kind of clarify that for as opposed to individual legislation? Is that what you're talking about, Zoe? So one thing that you hear uh, in the current environment is, is it better for the U.S. privacy landscape to develop a sort of piecemeal like it has? Is it, is it helpful to have um, laws and rules that focus on a particular type of marketing or technology or type of data like, like health data for HIPAA, in this example? Or is it better to say, let's go to a more broad-based approach to privacy um, and, and get to those core principles? 
and 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 really serve the customers and, and do it in a way that will enable the future environment with technology and customer products. I'd like to give you an example, actually, from my from my postal days on what I think is, is not an effective way to do privacy. It's always kind of fun to give the opposite examples, right? Right, right. So there was a requirement under one set of rules to have a privacy notice on your website. And there was another set of privacy rules under the Privacy Act to have uh, notices related to a system of records. So in a, in a true compliance fashion, there were these multiple privacy notices being developed. And so the customer of the website would see three different links to privacy. Here's your online privacy notice, here's your Privacy Act notice, and here's your Gramm-Leach-Bliley notice. That was not effective. Totally confusing. Why would you make your customer <laughs> go to three different places to find out about privacy? So having a very segmented, compliance-driven uh, approach to privacy was actually not meeting the fundamental point, which is how are you explaining to the customer what happens with their data when you collect it? Because all three rules were geared around that principle. Right. So if you, if you boil down to the concept around notice, have one notice. Put it all in there, but, but make sure that it's clear so they understand it. And if they want to read the, the full regulatory version, make that available to them as well. And I think that's part of this broad-based privacy. How are we looking at our core principles that we think are, are the right thing for customers and embedding that into how we operate with them? regardless of the technology or the channel or the, the type of service. Well, and I, I, I hear that more in the privacy community now about how is that done. Right. And, and when you talk about that in the retail arena and, you know, private sector, you know, how does that really relate and, and how can you do that in the public sector and the private sector? Do you see um, a broad base for, the, you know, both public and private I actually think that there's more commonality uh, in the private and public sector than, than people may think. Uh, I think for a lot of government agencies that are serving customers or citizens, even though the laws, again, are, are somewhat different, but they, they're getting to some of the same points around what sort of notices are you providing, what sort of options do people have, what's the right security for that data. Um, I do think that the agencies that are looking at national security have a different set of issues, but for a lot of agencies, it's similar. Um, and I think that there's a lot that these two sectors can learn from each other. And IEPP is actually a very good forum for that interchange of ideas. Um, they, they, they have a lot of dialogue between the different groups and trying to figure out where this is going. And let me just say that IAPP, for those of you who forgot or haven't been listening to the entire show or hasn't haven't heard about this before IAPP is the International Association of Privacy Professionals and that's privacyassociation.org if you want to learn more about that or if you want to get involved and become a privacy officer because we're sitting here on the campus and people might think well gee you know maybe I want to become a privacy officer so it's a great profession I absolutely think uh, people should, should engage in it and, and to your point, I do think uh, be engaged in, in the uh, community and in the association. Visit the website uh, and, and come to the conferences. It's, it's a great thing. And I do think the privacy will be changing more. So it's, it's, it'll be a, a very interesting and engaging place to be. So many of our audience really do shop at Walmart and Sam's Club. So what are some of the things that you want to suggest to them 
that they can do when they're visiting the website or they're shopping in the store? What should they do to protect themselves online? So I, I think the first uh, point is, is one we've talked about, which is know who you're dealing with, uh, know the website that you're interacting with, um, and, and take a look at, at just the high level of their privacy policy and look for some basic things like security locks and that the URL that you think you're visiting is right. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of uh, phishing and, and spoof sites that are out there where if you look at the URL, it's not the website that you think you're on. Um, any emails that ask you for personal information, particularly bank account or SSN information, and some of them are very clever now, but most companies will not ask you for that in an email. They just won't do it. So if you get an email like that, um, check with the company before, before you give any information over it. Um, while you're have, operating your own in-home you know, computer system, Make sure you're keeping your firewalls and antivirus up to date um, and, and checking into that. We have a website called Think Privacy, which you can see from our, from our privacy policy site that has a lot of tools and tips. And I think, Mary, uh, Mari, you also have a lot yourself as well. And why don't you give the URL of that one? It's called what? The thinkprivacy.org? Is, is that a special one? I mean, I've been there and I forgot. What, what is the URL for your Think Privacy one? So I... I, I to make it simple, I'd say to folks, uh, go to the walmart.com and go to our privacy policy. And there, there, there's the links to the Think Privacy and our preference center and everything else that you'd like to see. And so what would you, you know, just a final question. We don't have a lot of time, but so what would you like to see happen to protect privacy in the future? So I do think that embedding privacy into your operations and your products and services and technology is a great idea. Uh, Walmart is all about the customer, and Walmart is all about um, innovation and technology, too. So I, I would say uh, stay tuned. I think there's more to come in this space and more to come from Walmart, and we would love to come back and, and let you know about some of those initiatives when they roll out. I think it's wonderful, and we're going to send everybody to Wall mart.com and then they can go and look at the privacy policy and see all the great things you're doing and get some good tips on how to protect themselves you're terrific zoe we sure appreciate all of your time and your effort and keep up the great work zoe thank you thank you we'll talk to you again soon bye-bye you've been listening to kuci 88.9 fm Irvine and kuci.org on the net i'm mari frank the host Join us every Monday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. right here on KUCI. And join us at our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. And you can see our upcoming guests. You can download podcasts. You can just click on the archived interviews and write us emails about what's important to you, what you want to know about privacy, or what you want to suggest that we talk about on our show. We sure appreciate it. Thank you. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.